Thank you, John. If you have your Bibles with you, open them up to Philippians chapter 3. If you are here in the auditorium and you don't have a Bible, there's one in the rack of the chair in front of you. Uh, and if you are joining us from home, uh, the verses will be on the screen, but we are also, uh, we would love to reach out. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, we would love to provide one for you. Uh, so please feel free to uh, contact the church and we'll be glad to do that. We're going to begin reading in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 3, and we'll read verses 12 through 21 together, where it says, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any and if anything you think of, and if any and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself." Well, just so you know, and somewhat unapologetically, I want you to know that I plan to sound like a broken record this summer. We're going to be looking at a lot of different passages of Scripture, and there are themes woven in these passages of Scripture that are repeated over and over. And I think they're there because God wants us to grab hold of these things and apply them to our lives and to apply them to this local body the church. So we're going to look at these themes as they come up, and, and sometimes as I preach through different passages uh, expositionally, it will highlight the, these different themes in the text. So as I bring those themes out of the text, uh, if you have a problem with that, I just say take it up with the author. Uh, I'm preaching the book as it has been revealed to us. So uh, as we've mentioned in the past, there is no magical number for our growth, or our stage in our walk with Christ where we can simply stop growing. And that's where we're actually going to start together this morning. Our first point is this. Mature believers are those that are growing in Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul was dearly loved, obviously, in the early church. He, he had disciples that he had reached out to, people that he had brought into the faith from all over. And I imagine they looked up to him greatly. But it's important for us to see that Paul realized his need for sanctification and continued growth as well. Look, at, look with me again at verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. Paul knew. He had a lot of growing to do. Paul knew that, that even though he was at, at, at this point in his life where God was using him to write all these letters to the churches and to encourage them greatly, he was not done growing. He had not obtained perfection, and he knew that God was not done 
redeeming and sanctifying him through the redeeming work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And while Jesus tells us as his disciples to be perfect, for our Heavenly Father is perfect, as great as the Apostle Paul was, and as important as he was in the church, he recognized his own need for sanctification and growth. And he knew that it wasn't a point where he could just stop. So if you are here this morning, and you have reached the level of the Apostle Paul with your faith, if you are confident that you have arrived where the Apostle Paul was when he wrote the book of Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, and all the other letters, if you're there, I have a challenge for you. You're still not done growing, because the Apostle Paul wasn't either. So, so we, we need to put that out of our minds, and then we need to then instead look at, okay, so if, if Paul says this, what does that really mean? look like. Because in verse 13, he continues and says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, right? He, he, he says, I, have not, I don't have full ownership. I don't have full grasp over all of this. God is still working in me. He is still uh, sanctifying me in this process. So what did Paul do? Well, Paul disciplined himself to continue growing in Christ. It was a discipline for Paul to continue to grow in Christ. He uses words like he says, I press on forgetting what lies behind. You see, Paul knew that it was a battle, and he would need to press on and continue in his growth because he had not fully attained what he knows that he will have someday. He, he, he realizes that it's going to be a work that the Holy Spirit is doing in his life. But he has to press on and move forward and forget what lies behind. Jesus had some words to his disciples about forgetting what lies behind when he was with them as well. In Luke chapter 9 and in verse 62, Jesus said to his disciples this, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. When we come to Christ, in every day of our lives, we have baggage from past experiences, past decisions, past mistakes, and past sins that can weigh on us. We must train our minds to stop dwelling on those sinful things of the past to, and to press on and to move forward and to grow deeper in our love for Christ. You see, God's grace is sufficient in Christ for all of those things in the past, and we need to press on and move forward with them. Sometimes as believers, we oftentimes get caught up dwelling on the things that, the blessings maybe that we didn't get. We, we get so caught up in thinking about all of the things that, boy, I wish we had that, or I wish we had that, or that could have happened, that we, we're, we're, we're dwelling on those things, and, and we, we, we don't press on and move forward like we're supposed to. And that can create problems in our spiritual lives. So Paul says we need to press on and, and move forward. See, but that's the way that life is, and, and I have a practical example of that in my life recently. This summer is Julie's and my 25th anniversary, and, and we planned to go to Prince Edward Island in Canada. That's where we went on our original honeymoon, and we thought, well, now we're 25 years in, and we could maybe do some of the other things, and it'd be great to, to go back there. But because of the coronavirus, Canada still doesn't want Americans crossing the border, uh, and so Canada isn't open. And so I kept kind of thinking to myself, yeah, but anniversaries in July, eventually it'll open up. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm clinging on to this idea that I have of what we, we should be doing instead of moving forward. And, and then it keeps getting closer, keeps getting closer, and, and, and we still can't go. But now what I've done is our second and third choices, like some of those were also no longer available to us. 
I was so focused on this thing that I really thought, and I was focused on that, and, and, and I missed out on the fact that, that there was other things that we could be doing. Now, you'd think that I would learn from that kind of a mistake and uh, you know, start booking places where we eventually decided to go, but oh no, I'm sometimes a little slow. And so we decided what we're going to do, and we start making reservations for these places, and Julie says to me, yeah, you might want to start booking because there's, you know, there's, people are booking pretty quick, and I'm like, oh, it'll be all right. We're, we're okay. And then the next time I go in and try to book that place, and now that place is gone, right? I'm so focused on, well, make sure, make sure that we've got all these things just perfect and just right, and then you end up missing out. Now, thankfully, I'm married to a a wonderful woman who's not an I told you so kind of person and, and God worked out all of those details and, and, and so what's what's a kind of humorous story in our individual lives when, when we start to see this in a spiritual sense when we start to to understand that that too often as believers in Christ we, we get so focused on some of these other things and we, we're not pressing on and moving forward and we're not pursuing what God would have for us we're too busy looking in the past but instead paul says press on and, and he uses other language where he says forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead put in the work it's not going to be easy just do it press on and strain forward paul says to us and to the philippians and so so we need to understand what that looks like in our spiritual lives we need to understand what that pressing on and straining forward and moving forward in our faith really looks like. And, and all of those things that, that begin to challenge us, I think remind us that, that we have to do the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us, and we have to come alongside and pursue Christ with all of our heart and with all of our lives. And that's what God has given us this body of believers for, is to encourage one another in that walk we'll, we'll see that a little bit more in a little bit but but we but this pressing on means i'm not content to stay right where i am look with me at hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 it says therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of christ christ and go on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward god you see we need to press on and what that means is is we understand that we are forgiven for those sins but when we are in christ we never have to bring those past sins up anymore and instead we can move forward and press on and grow in christ we need to be 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 putting to death sins in our, our life right now and then tomorrow when we've put that sin to death we need to keep pressing on and pursuing christ in our life so but what are we pressing on to that's important as well because because we have to understand and know where we are going so we it paul says i press on toward the goal i strain forward to what lies ahead and so in our faith we do need to understand that that the, our ultimate reality is not found in this world but the next and we do this, we press on and, and strain forward toward that and eternal things because we realize that, that this world is not all that there is for us. Again, we've, we've talked about this in the past weeks, but I, I just want to nail this down for us. In fact, the passage of Scripture that the elders have been looking at that I, I referenced last week is 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve, And it says this, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then... 
when we're glorified, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. This, this world that we're living in is hard for us to, to fully understand. And we can get so caught up looking in the, the mirror and not fully understanding it when we need to be focusing on Christ, focusing on eternal things, and pressing on toward investing in those things which will help others know God and be known by Him. So we press on toward those things. So, so what does that look like? Well, that's a very good question. And, and so Paul actually lays it out for the Philippians, and he says this, let those of you who are mature think this way. You see, we have to train our brains to think properly. Paul, Paul again comes back to that, thing, that, 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 that theme of, of training our brains to think this way. And I want you to understand that with this, he's also challenging the believers to have some self-evaluation. Philippian believer, if you think you are mature then you need to be thinking this way, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on toward the goal that's in front of you. That's what mature faith looks like, Paul says. And so we need to be discerning. But to do that, we need to have godly brothers and sisters in our lives to come alongside to help us in those areas. This isn't something that we're, we're called to do on our own, and that's what discipleship looks like. And, and that's where Paul goes with this passage of Scripture for us. Our next point that I want us to see is that Paul wanted the Philippians to examine and imitate the life of mature believers. You see, Paul spends this first part saying, this is what we need to do. We need to press on. We need to strain forward. We need to forget what lies behind. We need to have these things in mind. That's what maturity looks like. If you're a mature believer, you need to think this way. And then Paul gives the Philippians a metric to evaluate effectively and to imitate the godly character of fellow believers. He gives them a goal. He says, this is what maturity looks like. You need to imitate this kind of behavior. You need to pursue this kind of behavior. You need to be this kind of believer. This is what maturity in Christ looks like. And I think it's important that Paul doesn't leave them guessing. Man, I wonder what Paul means when he says, you know, those of you who are mature think this way. He gives them concrete examples and says, this is what we need to do as fellow believers in the Lord Jesus Christ together. Now, verse 17, we have an interesting phrase in verse 17 where it says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. That interesting phrase that, that the ESV translates, join in imitating me, uh, in the King James is, is translated as be followers together of me. Uh, the NIV says joining together, or join together in following my example. And, and all of those are good translations, but it's a somewhat difficult phrase to translate in the, in the sense that uh, what it's trying to convey is the fact that we are followers together. It's, again, the concept of follow me as I follow, as I follow Christ. We are followers together. So, so Paul is saying, imitate me as we pursue Christ together. We are followers of Christ together. Again, it's the concept uh, that, that Jesus has stated, or that, that Paul has stated in a different way, this communal aspect of our faith, where we're supposed to live our faith out together together pursuing Christ with 
other godly men and women in our life. And our lives are supposed to be knit together in the body of Christ so that, that as both of us, or all of us, are pursuing Christ together, we're moving along together in our relationships with one another and pressing on toward a deeper relationship with Christ. You see, we should be so unified and together in our love for Jesus that the bonds that we have in the gospel are more important than any other affinity bonds that we may have. That we love being together because of Jesus more than anything else that would bring us together. And I think that, that this is important for us, that, that Paul lays this out and he gives us this pattern. But I think we also need to note that as believers, we should be in the practice of holding true to what we know and growing in our faith. We need to hold true to what we know and be growing in our faith. I skipped over verse 16, but it says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. And then Paul says, imitate me and others who are walking according to the way of Christ. We need to be doing both. Our faith isn't just about examining and learning what, we've hold, what we know to be true. When we know something, that's great, but God is not content to let us just stay there. We need to be continually, continually growing and going deeper in our faith and moving forward in our faith. And while the gospel teaches us that it's faith alone that saves us, right? We don't need to add anything to Jesus to save us. However, when we come to know Christ, we should be adding good works to our faith. We should be adding obedience to our faith. By the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us, all that we do now can glorify God in our lives, and we should be adding those things to our faith. And, and, and so not only let us hold true to what we have attained, but constantly be trying to move forward in that sanctification process and constantly be helping others to move forward in that discipleship process. We take the truth and we apply it to our lives and that helps us to grow. This is the concept that Jesus himself gave to his disciples in John 17. He said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. He was praying for his disciples at the time. And he said, but Father, that you would keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus prayed that, that his disciples would be set apart for God's service by the truth in their life. That they would know God's word and be sanctified, set apart, and made holy because of it. That's the concept that, that Paul is, again, teaching to the Philippians here, that, that we have to know these things, and then that we have to be growing in the truth of these things in our lives. You see, it's important that we, we, we catch that mature believers understand that we do not live for this world, we live for the one that will last forever. Not only do we grasp these truths of Scripture and, and we apply them to our lives, but we understand that the purpose of all of this is eternal things. We can get so caught up in living for the day-to-day -day that we lose sight of the eternal things. Look at verse 20. Paul says to them, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to, the, even to subject all things to himself. Again, that salvation, sanctification, glorification process. Paul's talking about eventually we're going to be completely glorified. But right now, 
we realize that in this sanctification process, our citizenship is in heaven. We live for that day rather than today. We live for things that are eternal and will last forever instead of living for fleeting, momentary things in this world. And how does all of this take place? Well, it's all because of the power of the cross. It says, it says that and from it we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Because Jesus can make all things subject to himself, he has then given us the power to be growing in him and living for those eternal things and, and putting our eyes and focus on that day. This means that we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. And in the power that he provides, we can do this. But it also links back to the, the root cause. Not only is his power what enables us, but way back at the beginning, it says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Again, we are not our own. We are bought with a price. He enables us. He empowers us. And he is the reason why we should be pursuing growing in our relationship with him. Jesus is everything to us. And so we, we press on and we strain. And that's what maturity looks like. We should be growing. In that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 that I referenced a little bit uh, last week, 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Right? This is that concept that, that we are maturing and growing in Christ. And eventually, we need to put away those childish things and, and, and be pressing on and moving forward. That's what maturity looks like. But not only does Paul give us what maturity looks like, he gives us the other side of the coin as well. When we refuse to die to self and live for eternal things, we live as an enemy of the cross. That's a very bold statement. Look with me at verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. It's important to, to point out that, that Paul's not saying, imitate me, act like a Christian, and you will be one, right? That is not what he's saying. He's not saying, fake it until you make it. He's not saying, give the appearance of, of being a Christian. What he is saying is, is that if you are a genuine believer in Christ, you will be living out your faith. There will be fruit in your life that is representative of the Holy Spirit being in you. And if there is not, then you are living as an enemy of the cross. You see, he reminds them if, if, if we have not made, or if we are not making a conscious effort to live according to the Spirit, our flesh naturally gravitates to the things of this world. In our fallen, sinful human state, when we are apart from Christ, we are enemies of God. And sometimes we forget that, that those who don't know Christ, they may be good people. We may love them dearly, they, but they are enemies of God until they know Christ as their Savior and have been redeemed by His blood. 
And, and so, so we're reminded that if we're not living then for the cross, we're, we're living uh, as those who are enemies of the cross. We have to understand that, that Paul says just because someone comes to church with you, just because they sit next to you in your chair, and maybe they sing all the hymns and they come to all the Sunday schools and they, they do all the things, Paul wants them to understand that it's truly the heart of the gospel that changes us. It's not just about imitating Paul and other believers. Verse 19 tells us that, that those who are not really in Christ will live for this world and their bellies. He, he's giving us this contrast. He's saying, imitate the godly ones among you who are pursuing Jesus, or you're going to be an enemy of the cross. What does that look like? Well, they're the ones who live according to what their bellies tell them. They walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Is your mind set on earthly things? Or is your mind set on eternal things? It's a simple test that Paul says we need to be understanding as part of our maturity in Christ. Those who are outside of Christ are going to live for their belly. They're going to live for the moment. They're going to live for the immediate. And I would contend that perhaps the society that we live in right now is the most immediate gratification society that has ever been. We are an immediate gratification society. We are a very consumeristic society. And everything is disposable because it's all about ease of use and instant gratification. Electronics and appliances are made to wear out, so you have to replace them. Apple is actually the first company to build obsolescence into their devices so that after five years, no matter how much you paid for the phone, it's going to stop working properly and you've got to buy a new one. Food is packaged so that it's easy to eat and easy to get to. Does that mean healthier and better? Not necessarily, but it's easy. In fact, some of the, some of the biggest struggles that some people had in cities during the pandemic was they didn't know how to cook for themselves. And the restaurants weren't open. So they, people were really struggling in some areas. Right? I, I, we are a society that wants things quick and easy. But God says quick and easy isn't the way to go. We need to be thinking about eternal. You need to be pressing on. You need to be straining forward. You need to be doing the hard things. Not living for your belly. Not living for your, your mind being on earthly things. So when we live for this world, our belly is going to be our God. God wants us to live for him. Paul says that's what maturity looks like. This is the pattern I want you to follow. This is the pattern that I want you to be so that others can follow you. Because it all works together in this glorious thing called the church. So that's where we're going to end up this morning, is I want us to look at the discipleship process. Know, grow, serve, and share. You see, because like Paul, we all need to evaluate ourselves in the discipleship and sanctification process. This is, this is something every single one of us should be doing. We need to be evaluating ourselves in the discipleship and sanctification process. We need to be willing to ask questions about our own lives, our own families, our life here in this body of believers with one another. Sometimes when it comes to self-evaluation, we really struggle. We may go to one extreme and say, man, I am, I am the greatest. I don't need to be pursuing Jesus more because I am just like doing great. 
or we go to the other extreme and say, no, I am a wretched sinner and I'm horrible and I don't really need to be pursuing Jesus because I am so wretched. But the gospel brings us to the middle where we understand that we are wretched sinners and it's only by the power of the gospel that we can live and grow and pursue God and honor him with our lives. Paul reminds us of this in, in his own life. He says, I've not arrived, I'm not perfect, but I press on, and you can too. Philippian church, he says, you can press on together, pursuing Jesus as followers together. So this morning, I'm going to begin introducing a new model to help us to organize and to evaluate our discipleship ministries here at First Baptist Church. If you've been paying attention the last couple of weeks, you're going to say, wait, Chad, you said no new programs, no new things. There's really nothing new about this. It's just a simple metric or pattern that I want us to try to help to evaluate how are we doing as individuals. It should help us to evaluate any new ministry that we might want to bring on and say, where does this fit in this discipleship process? It should help us to, uh, to, to evaluate how we're, uh, we're doing as individuals, how we're doing as ministries, and how we're doing as a church. Now, I'm just going to begin introducing it this morning, uh, but I will continue to talk about it next week and throughout the summer when we are preaching. So it is called the FBC Discipleship in Action Plan. Now, you're going to see lots of concepts up there. I'm going to talk about some of them briefly, but this is something that we will kind of keep coming back to. The first thing I want you to understand is that I chose the word action purposefully. Discipleship in action means that, that we come together alongside other individuals in this process. It, and that can look like one-on-one -on -one type things. It can look at like small groups. It can look like a large group where someone is preaching or teaching. But we encourage each other along life's journey. We spur one another on. We continue to grow together as we are pursuing Christ. We remind one another what maturity looks like. And we remind one another that we're followers together. Now, somebody from the second service pointed out, well, if this is an action plan, shouldn't the words be knowing, growing, serving, sharing? Maybe. <laughs> but we'll come back to that in, in future weeks. <clears throat> so, so, but I want us to understand that action means involvement. Action means involvement. You and I have to be involved with one another's lives, pursuing Christ together and doing what Paul challenged the Philippians to do, like to be pursuing Jesus, to be pressing on, to be imitating those around you who are walking according to the example you have in us, and to be those kinds of men and women in our own lives. So the first thing I want us to talk about is at the top there where it says no. This is essentially hearing the truth. This is the on-ramp of faith. You can't come to know Christ if you've never heard the good news. And so there's this, there's this where you're beginning to know the truth, and then when you come to know Christ as your Savior, it's, it's your on-ramp on to this discipleship action plan of sorts. But once you're on, that doesn't mean that you stop learning in that no process. That no process is a forever thing in our lives as disciples in Christ. That's, that's where we begin being sanctified by the truth. Now, these no-type ministries are essentially proclamation ministries, right? It's where the, the truth is proclaimed to others. This could be sermons. This could be Sunday school where, where someone is teaching. This could be, again, one-on-one -on -one discipleship. This is personal devotions where we're growing in our knowledge of who God is and what His Word 
tells us. <clears throat> we, we know now that, that, that when we're learning these things, we're, we're understanding the character and the nature of God and what he would have from us as his followers. But then the next stage that you see, on my left, your right, is grow, where we're applying the truth to our hearts and lives. You see, I, I want us to understand that in some ways the church is kind of like a laboratory of such or, or a medical clinic. And maybe, maybe the best illustration that I can come up with is like a, a, a physical therapy laboratory. I don't know if you've ever had to do physical therapy, but uh, there is nothing that is extremely complicated about going to physical therapy. They make you do basic things to strengthen your body so that you're ready to do the things that you can no longer do because something has been injured or, or whatnot. <clears throat> now, it's oftentimes not complicated. It's just hard. And we don't want to do it. All of the exercises that they made me do when I was rehabbing for my neck, I could have easily done them at home by myself. But the reality is, I wasn't going to do it unless somebody helped me and made me. That's what the body of Christ is like. I know what I'm supposed to do, but you as believers in Christ come alongside me and, and, and encourage me and say, no, this is what you need to do. This is, this is the goal. This is what it means to press on. This is what it means to strain forward, Chad. You need to do these things. They, they provide accountability to you. That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be doing, is helping one another to see these things. And so this is the application of all that knowledge. Now I'm, I'm growing and I'm putting it to practice in my life. And you're helping me and I'm helping you. And, and in, these, in these growth ministries, we, we know what we're supposed to do. We know how we're supposed to evaluate ourselves. But it's helpful to have somebody come alongside and, and help us to see how we can improve our technique and apply these truths more deeply into my lives. And maybe I've got some blind spots that I'm not seeing those things. And you can help me in those areas. So application is kind of press-on ministries. It's the follow me as I follow Christ kind of ministries. And this, is, this takes place in small groups. And this place takes place in, in men's ministries and women's ministries and, and mom's ministries and, and informal groups where we're getting together and, and, and talking about something and applying it to our, our lives. This could be possible future ministries like a different addiction ministries like Celebrate Recovery or to help people to, uh, to deal with, with things that they've gone through like a grief share ministry. All of these have, have great possibilities, but they fall, in that, they fall in that growth aspect of this diagram, helping us to see that the things that we know, the truth of God's word that we know, we have to apply to our lives, and we need to help one another apply these things to our lives as well. So next week, we'll continue talking about like the serving and the, and the sharing uh, part of things. But, but I want us to, to see that all of this is a continual process. All these areas work together to, to cause us to mature and to grow in Christ. All of these areas help us to go deeper in our walks with Him. All of these things are what it means to be pressing on, to be straining forward, to, to be having that prize before us. And you and I have the privilege the responsibility to be encouraging one another in this walk. Living in this world is hard. But I am thankful for a body of Christ where we want to pursue Christ and we want to grow in our relationship with Him and where we want to be the kind of men and women who have mature faith, 
so that we can say to others, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's my hope for what we can continue to develop in our discipleship ministries moving forward. And I know that that is where God can use us to make his name known to people who don't know him here in St. John's and the greater St. John's area and to the ends of the earth. Let's close in prayer. Father, we don't deserve your grace. And yet you have given us your son Christ Jesus to die on the cross for us. You've empowered us with your Holy Spirit so that we can press on, grow, pursue maturity in our lives. Father, I thank you for a godly church with many godly men and women who want to pursue Jesus. I thank you for the many great godly examples of what maturity in Christ can look like. And Father, I pray that all of us would be not just striving and straining and pressing on in our own lives to pursue you, but that we would grab those around us and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Oh, Father, we want to go deeper in our knowledge of you, but Father, we want to, that truth to penetrate our hearts and lives and to be continually making a difference in us because we know that we are not perfect You are still at work in us. And we are so thankful for that. And we ask, Lord, that you would glorify yourself by bringing more to know you and and by bringing more men and women into a deeper love with Jesus and growing in their mature faith. That's our hope, so that you would receive the honor and the glory that is due your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.